Hello, everyone. I'm Chris White. And I am Stevens Brown. And we are from Tap Pest Control Installation. And once again, thank you for downloading our podcast. We're so glad you took the time to listen in on us. Yeah, absolutely. Today we got a we got a cool topic, and it's it's one that's a little different. And you know, for everybody out there, you know, you've heard us talk about R value a lot, especially if you've been in one of our sales trainings uh, or, or any type of training. Um, but today, I want to talk about it from a different aspect. You know, we he- we hear the term R value, but where does it come from? How's it developed, and how's it measured? And so, I think it'll be something neat to talk about to kind of give people an understanding of where it comes from. Yeah, so the you're right, it, and it's it is very interesting, and I and I think we need to compare it to what uh, we call in the um, in the energy saving world as real R value, which is yep. also another uh, similar but different thing than R value, and nobody really measures real R value because there's a lot of variables to it. But if we take a look at what R value is and how it's measured, now we know in general terms it's um, how uh, a material resists heat flow going through the through the product. That's how it works. But what what is that, right? So it's actually used as a test, and it's called the ASTM C518 method. And they use what they call a hot box instrument. And that measures the R value by creating a steady state of temperature across the material. So what they measure how much of that heat flows through the product uh, using a heat flow meter and they compare it to the temperature differential to generate the R value. Now, don't ask me what the calculation is. I don't know. (laughs) Math was never my strong suit, (laughs) but there there is a formula. Yeah. So I was going to say it's all done in a lab, but the overlooming question mark to me is, is what about air movement? Right. You're absolutely right. So in real scenarios, when we're living in our house, there's wind, there's HVAC pressures. We have fans, we have, um, you know, maybe the, the fan on your stove, it pulls air out. Well, then air has to come in. Um, So all of that needs to be taken into account when we look at real R value. Um, You know, and and wind really is a big piece of that. Wind hits the side of our house, it makes its way in. And then, you know, anything that comes in, it's got to go out. It's like a glass of water. You drop a rock in, well, that volume of the rock, that has to come out of the water. So it's, wind is the same way. So we're going to, when we look at that and we see the wind hitting maybe through the the side of the house and that kind of thing, what does our value measure? Well, our value really only measures conduction right? It, it measures the heat that goes in. And we did a podcast podcast on this, I think a little while ago, right? Not too long ago. Yep, exactly. That, yep. that was all about how, how air moves through and there's conduction, radiation, convection, and then there's air infiltration into a house too, which is a separate one, but it's not measuring the radiation or the convection um, or infiltration of air. So yep. it just measure, measures Conduction, that which is only one of those things. So insulation is primarily meant to stop that movement of heat. The problem with using R value as a sole measurement of insulation effectiveness is that the heat moves in and out of a home in those four ways. So the conduction, which we said R value measures, yeah. but also by convection, radiation, and air infiltration, which none of those are what R value measures. 
So when we look at exposure to wind, humidity, temperature changes, that all creates pressure differences between the interior and the exterior of a building. So factors like hot air rising, wind pressure, HVAC systems forcing air in through every tiny little opening allows air to make its way into the interior or exterior or to the unconditioned areas of the home like an attic. Yeah, real life, so, so to speak. Right. So a superior insulation system will have a good R value, preventing heat loss via conduction, which TAP does. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> we'll also, um, because that's, that's spray applied and it's fully filling all of those little cracks and crevices, preventing the heat loss for, uh, via convection. So if you follow that, it's actually covering all the voids inside a cavity, inside the floor cavity, so that it's not allowing for that convective loop that can happen in there if there's air void. So if you think about a, um, an insulation that may leave a void in there, that hot air, cool air causes a convective loop, which is the inefficiency of the insulation. And that doesn't happen when you're using a product like TAP. Um, especially in when we get into, say, dense packing into a wall. Same sort of thing happens when you dense pack it in there. It avoids the heat loss via infiltration of air and radiation as well as convection. And honestly, TAP meets all four of those critical performance criterias. So, you know, there's, there's thousands of gaps and cracks, penetrations in buildings. Is I mean, we know that, right? There's just, there's where where wood joins together where where anything touches it's it there's a gap there yeah and if we apply an air pressure of a say a 20 mile an hour wind on a 20 degree day to a building that has typically say an r19 uh bat insulated wall it will actually perform no better than the wood studs at an r6 because of air infiltration with heat moving along the bats through convection so in a very low density materials like loose blown fiberglass, heat will actually radiate right through the insulation. And this, along with convection, significantly reduces the fiberglass installed performance. However, if we're taking tap and we're putting it on an attic, say we have loose blown fiberglass and it's allowing that convection and that air to come through and we put tap on top of that, now we've actually improved that performance of that fiberglass so that now we're, we're actually taking care of a lot of those other, um, other avenues of infiltration, radiation, and convection. So when we get that question about, you know, is it as good to put um, an attic capping on a, on a home that has the uh, fiberglass in it, it certainly does uh, increase the effectiveness of that fiberglass when you do that. Yep. No, absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of good information there. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, um, and you know, if you really get into the actual performance, it's also going to determine based on, you know, the thickness of drywall, the thickness of the sheathing, the type of siding, the type of roofing that's on there. That's all of that comes into play when you actually talk real R value. So, um, I think the key that we want to take away from any of this though, is that you want to use an insulation that, is going to work the best to limit not only what the R value in using conduction, but yep. also those other things with convection, radiation, and air infiltration. Yep, and that, big, that's going to give you the best part. 
Yep, the big three: conduction, convection, radiation, and and good old air sealing, no doubt. Yeah. So, absolutely. So, hopefully that made sense. If anybody has questions on it, please uh, feel free to email us. We'll be happy to to answer that at podcast at tapinsulation.com. Well, hey, Stevens, we got a couple of questions. Yeah, awesome. I want to throw them at you. We got uh, Mike from California. He wants to know, my machine seems to have lost some power. The motor sounds strong, but the production is definitely down. What could it be? Yeah, no, Mike, good question. I'm not really a gambling man, but if I was, I would bet on one thing, and it's probably the seals. Um, Chris and I both, when we filled those calls, you know, they say, hey, production's looking down. I've got good power to it. We're checking our voltmeters. We're, we're receiving good power. You know, both the motors sound fine. If, but if you're receiving some blowback, you're not seeing as much production, um, I would definitely say first thing, take a look at your airlock seals. You can take that top hopper off with four bolts, make sure everything's unplugged, put eyes on it. Um, you can also use one of our, our pressure gauges. It's probably one of the easiest things to recognize um, when you need to change your seals. But if I had to guess, changing those seals would be, uh, would be the first thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the motors are typically going to run strong um, until they die. I mean, yeah. they, either, they either run or they don't. Yeah, they're like a kind of black and white on-off switch, so to speak. Yeah, so it, it's, yeah, it's definitely, I would agree with you, Stevens. It's definitely the airlock seals. Um, but yeah, I mean, get yourself the, we have the, um, pressure gauge, get that on there. That'll tell you right away. If you see the drop off, you know, for certain you need airlock seals. The other question would be, when was the last time you changed your airlock seals? Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, some people say never, and they've owned the machine for three years. Well, you should be doing it every year. So. Yeah. Chris and I got, we're, we're both big proponents on guys, get some sort of maintenance schedule going on with your machines. Cause I'm telling you, if you, if you just stick to just a basic rudimentary maintenance schedule, it's going it, to, it'll, it'll do a lot for you. So. Absolutely. All right. Next question from Colin in North Carolina. He wants to know where's a good place to rent an insulation blower. Uh, <laughs> Colin, uh, that's not a good question. And I, I wish I knew the, the golden <laughs> answer here is there's not really, you know, with the vacuum, sometimes you can see those at some of your, your equipment rental places, um, but when it comes to insulation blowers, they're not common. You know, they're not commonly found out there. Um, most of your equipment companies do not carry them. Best thing to do is I would say, look at purchasing one. Um, you know, if it's something where you're doing only jobs here and there, you know, you, you can get tap via Home Depot. And with that, uh, generally, you want to confirm this with the Home Depot, but you do get the uh, – their blowing machine for, for that day with the purchase of a pallet. But uh, as far as stores that have them for rent there, there are not any. Yeah. And I would add to that there, you know, you might be able to find them, but if you do, they're typically not in the greatest condition. Um, they don't run extremely well. And they're usually the smallest version available. I would call the the DIY homeowner version. Exactly. Yeah. They're, they're never ma maintained. They're never kept up. I get, I can't tell you how many calls I receive from guys say, Hey, you know, we went with this kind of rental and it's, it's, it's poor output it. And a lot of times it can put you in a pretty bad position in front of your homeowner, your customer. So we recommend not to not really full with renting the equipment, honestly. Yeah. I, I try to, you know, push guys into look, you know, buy something. If, even if you, uh, and, and you got to be careful even buying used equipment, especially yep. when in the market that we're, we're in, um, you know, insulation is doing very well. People are very busy. Um, 
they're not really getting rid of equipment. Yeah. That, that's in good shape. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I would tell, you know, Colin or any of the guys or listen, listeners out there that are kind of wanting to rent, I would say, honestly, give me or Chris a call. Cause we, we, we could, we, we're going to be able to prove to you pretty quickly how you can justify one and, and the reasons why you would want to have your own. Um, you know, cause if you're looking to rent, you obviously see the daylight and the amount of jobs you could do and sell and there's, there's opportunity for you. So. Absolutely. Well, good. Hey, Mike and Colin, thank you for your questions. Uh, we got a tap uh, swag pack headed your way. Um, we still want your questions, folks. Send them on in. If you've got any topics you want us to discuss, questions you may have, or great stories that you want to tell us, please send it on to us at podcast at tapinsulation.com. And if we use your stuff on the podcast, we will send you a swag pack as well. Yeah, so moving right on, guys. We've got herd in the field. So we've got a story this week that came in from one of our listeners. Um, Chris, what 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 what, what did he have for us this week? Yeah, well, I'm going to hide the name and everything on this one because uh, I don't think he wants me to yeah <laughs> release their company name on this. It's one of those stories. <laughs> yep, yep. So anyway, this is a new customer, and you know we're. We're certainly, uh, we try to help folks out. We give them all the information we, when we uh, um, sell them equipment. And they had bought a vacuum uh, as well as a blower, but they got the vacuum going and uh, sent them all the instructions and everything. Said, read through it, set everything up. Of course, not sure they paid attention to that. And so what they did is the first call I get was complaining that the machine doesn't work. Hmm. The key won't turn. Nothing's happening. It's not working. And, uh, of course, that's a pretty common one. We get that a lot. That's because on the vacuum, there's a safety switch where the hoses are. Yep. And you got to put that uh, hose clamp with the uh, little turnbuckle on it right up against those safety clamps so that the machine will run. And it's on there just in case that hose blows off or something happens that it will shut the machine right down. Consequently, if you don't have it, uh, that safety latch in, then it won't start. Exactly. Yeah. I have a lot of guys come and they say, man, we, we just got it. We're excited. We're trying to get it on, make sure it works. And they're like, it won't turn on. I'm like, well, there are some pressurized safety switches on <laughs> both the intake and the exit. Put on the hoses, make sure the clamps are tied against it and you'll be just fine. They're like, oh, it's working now. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, we got that all set up and, and it started working. They thanked me. And about uh, 20 minutes later, I got another call saying our vacuum bags are exploding. They're popping. <laughs> no way. That's a new one. And I'm like, I, I said, geez, I have no idea why that is. Um, do me a favor. Send me a picture. So they sent me a picture. And I kid you not, they had a trash bag at the end of the vacuum. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so the trash bag. You can imagine when you have all of that yeah. air from a 23 horsepower motor blowing air into a trash bag, it will blow apart in about two seconds. Pop like a balloon. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I guess they neglected to see the uh, the, the <laughs> complimentary, basically, case of act bags that come with all of our pa- packages. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had a case there. And I, I called them and I tried to be as, you know, as, as nice as I could and say, well, those aren't the bags. He said, well, those are the bags we had in the truck. Like, yeah, probably for cleanup. <laughs> yeah, check, check that box. So, it's a little bit of elongated. Open them up. They fold out. And I, and I have had some black fabric 
you know, they look like bed sheets. I'm like, those are the vacuum bags. Take them out, take one out, unfold, and you'll see. He goes, oh, now I see. I'm like, yep, there they are. <laughs> yeah. So. so anyway, he, um, you know, they, they said, well, I don't know if we got them, <laughs> and you know, trying to save face. And I, I said, well, do me a favor, look around. They'll be in a case, you, you know. And I never got a call back, so yeah. I'm pretty sure they found them. <laughs> It's all right. Some, some learning curves are steeper than others. It's okay. It's okay. Well, Hey, I got a fact of the day. Hit me. Do you know in Sweden, all government owned ships are required to have a UPC code printed on the hull. I did not. Oh, that way when they return to port, it helps Scandinavian. Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, That's, that's a solid. Yeah. So, Hey, um, how does a gingerbread man make his bed? well the cookie know. sheet <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking something along gumdrop buttons but I, I was off and i was a little mad today by someone someone glued my deck of cards together jeez i don't know fun. how i don't know how to deal with it <laughs> all right i'm gonna i'm gonna shut him up before this gets worse <laughs> <laughs> people send us in your stories or your pictures your comments concerns or a topic that you'd Love for us to go over. We'll use it. Again, that's podcast at tapinsulation.com. And, uh, yeah, we'll send you a swag pack, uh, some sweet tap T-shirts. And other than that, that'll uh, that'll wrap us up for today's episode. Yeah, that's going to do it. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Until then, be well. All right. Stay safe, guys. And remember, keep those feet on the joist.